The NFL owners' meetings are happening right now, and the league has plenty of business to take care of. It's Monday, March 27th. I'm senior writer Owen Poindexter, and this is Front Office Sports Today. We're recording Sunday afternoon, and our senior reporter, A.J. Perez, is live from the NFL owners' meetings, where there's plenty of intrigue. Welcome, A.J. Thanks for having me back. Great to have you. So, yeah, a bunch of different storylines going on. Let's start with Dan Snyder and Tanya Snyder and the Washington Commanders. So, of course, the team is being sold right now, but there's a lot of kind of confusion and obfuscation around that. So what do we know? What are you hearing there? Yeah, well, there's nothing on the agenda as it pertains to the Commanders or Dan Snyder. Um, a lot of that has to do there's a second open investigation, outside NFL investigation led by Mary Jo White. That's not done yet. There's no indication it's going to be presented here. It's very unlikely that it will. So uh, this is going to give the owners, uh, you know, the owners are going to arrive here wondering as much as, as the Commanders fans and what's going to happen with the sale. There's really, Tanya Snyder is, is again here. Um, Dan Snyder doesn't appear to be here. Um, so, uh, the, this is when all the owners arrive and they're all kind of wondering what's happening with the, with the sale, because, you know, this, when he, when he announced in November, it really put the, the, uh, process or a potential removal of Dan Snyder on hold. Right. So they're kind of just all hoping that this problem takes care of itself. He sells the team. They can move on with their lives. Any indication that he might not sell the team or might not sell majority stake? Now, there's always that little lingering thing. That was the, we wrote that the day that they announced it. Um, but it's, uh, it's been believed, and we reported in January, that the bidders were told that he, that side of was selling at least a controlling stake, and he has more than 80% of the team. So that's a very major chunk. Um, but it, there's, most people expect it will be all, if not very, if not a, a very huge size of the team. Um, and he will, either way, it's expected by uh, NFL executives and others that he will, you know, he will not maintain control because if he does, you know, the process of removal that's never been used before, you know, that's back in play. Right. Yeah. And we've got, uh, just to, before we move on from that one. So we've got the group led by Josh Harris, who owns the 76ers and New Jersey Devils, co-owns those teams and Crystal Palace. Uh, he owns a minority stake. Uh, we've got Tillman Fertitta, who owns the Houston Rockets and a bunch of casinos. Uh, Jeff Bezos is lingering somewhere here has he do we know if he's made any kind of bid or something resembling a bid yeah we don't even know how much josh harris bid at this point so i um, mean we don't know yeah i've i asked uh, a few days ago i asked um i asked uh, bezos one of bezos's reps and yeah uh, they got a no comment as I kind of expected so we don't really don't know what uh what bezos is doing as far as this if we can tell that he's you know it looks like he's still in it um but uh this is uh drawn out you know we're we're you know we're over a hundred and 40 days out from when he announced. And there's a lot of people expected by now that there would be some resolution. I would say Josh Harris, if it's not going to be Bezos, Josh Harris would be the most likely candidate. But there may be other you know, bidders that we don't know about. And um, that, that's, uh, that's been a lot of intrigue into maybe a, a, secret, <laughs> a secret unknown potential bidder. But uh, as of right now, I think yeah, those, those are the three names uh, that have been for the last several weeks have been uh, kind of, I would say, would be the front runners as far as we can tell. Let's hop over to uh, Roger Goodell is expected, the NFL commissioner is expected to get a new contract at these meetings. They're expected to vote either unanimously or close enough to keep him in, in the job. Um, what do we know about Goodell's contract and is there any any intrigue there? Yeah, what we don't know is like, yeah, there's not really intrigue as far as, you know, whether he will get a new contract. Um, his uh, current deal expires uh, basically a year from now. 
Um, it's expected that he will, uh, you know, we don't know if it's going to be three or four years. Um, that's, that's not, uh, that's not known at this point or how much he's going to get paid. Um, and uh, that's been kind of, a, they usually guard the salary pretty closely. They have the total compensation of Roger Goodell, easily the most, the highest paid uh, commissioner in U.S. sports, maybe commissioner in worldwide sports for how much he, you know, he hauls in. But, you know, he's also, as I wrote in the story at, that, that ran Sunday, you know, he's gotten these major TV deals, the, They've quadrupled how much they're making from when he took over. And, you know, he's navigating the streaming side of it with Amazon and also with this 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 upcoming season with with uh, Sunday Ticket, which will be on YouTube TV now. Um, So there's uh, he's he's uh, he's he's still in favor of, uh, you know, pretty much the vast majority of owners. And it's uh, not an easy job. But these all the people who are coming in today, owners are checking in and everybody else. You know, the owners are his bosses. So they do control how much uh, you know, how much is going to get paid and such. Yeah. And I saw in your Sunday feature, the last uh, salary we know of from him was, was it $30 million per year? That was the final one before uh, the NFL was a, was a basically a 501c3 and like a, a, a nonprofit organization until t- the 2015 fiscal year. After that, they, they went, uh, they went private. So we don't know how much New York times has reported um, that his compensation was double uh, total compensation. So that's just not salary. Um, there's other benefits that was pretty much double what, what, what were in those tax forms in 2015. Um, so I think uh, we're looking now, it's probably in the $60 million per year range of total compensation. AJ Perez, thanks so much for joining us. No problem. Thanks for having me on. Let's see what else is going on out there. Tom Brady has purchased a minority stake of the WNBA team, the Las Vegas Aces. We saw MLS and NWSL teams become hot commodities over the last couple of years, and I wouldn't be surprised to see something similar with the WNBA. Speaking of the NWSL, they are around four to six months away from finalizing their next U.S. media deals, but it announced it is launching a streaming service with Endeavor, which owns UFC and the agency WME. That service will broadcast games outside the U.S. for free. The NWSL began its season over the weekend. Check out our Friday episode for a breakdown of everything going on with the league. And pickleball is getting even more ubiquitous. Central Park in New York is getting 14 pickleball courts. Good luck getting a reservation on one of those. Up next, I spoke to founder and chairman of the Professional Fighters League, Don Davis. We talked about how the PFL is looking to claim its space in the ranks of fighting leagues and how the attitude toward fighting sports have changed over the years. We'll have that conversation right after this. 2000, 2008, 2022. When it comes to the economy, those are some scary years. Dot-com crash, housing crash, and the roller coaster we're going through right now. One thing is certain, it's a dangerous time to not know your numbers. But over 31,000 businesses have the confidence and clarity they need because they rely on NetSuite by Oracle, the number one cloud financial system. NetSuite gives you visibility and control of your financials, inventory, HR, planning, and budgeting, so you can manage risk, get reliable forecasts, and improve margins. Everything you need all in one place. So, how do you prepare for uncertain times? The answer, NetSuite. NetSuite helps you identify rising costs, automate your business processes, and easily see where to save money. That's why 93% of customers say they improved their visibility and control when they upgraded to NetSuite. What are you waiting for? Right now, NetSuite is offering a one-of-a-kind flexible financing program. Head to netsuite.com slash frontoffice right now. netsuite.com slash frontoffice. netsuite.com slash frontoffice. I am joined now by the founder of the Professional Fighters League, Don Davis. Welcome, Don. 
Great to be here. So just to orient our listeners, why don't you just start by telling us what is the Professional Fighters League? Yeah, the PFL or Professional Fighters League. We are now the number two MMA company globally by all key metrics. But what makes us different from UFC, which everyone knows, is that we have the sports season format. It's a regular season playoff and championship. So think of it as March Madness meets MMA. So the fighter is in control in the PFL. You win, you advance, you lose, you're done for the season. So in the UFC, a promoter, in that case Dana White, decides who fights based on rankings. They decide. So Owen, you're number one. Don, you're number two because the promoter makes that decision. That's great entertainment, but that's not sport. We all wish LeBron made the finals every year, but he doesn't. Many years he's not good enough or he's hurt. The UFC is all based on entertainment value. In the PFL, it's a true meritocracy with true transparency. You win four times in 2023, you're going to become the champion. You could have started the season as a favorite. You could have started the season as the champion. You could have started the season as a nobody or an underdog. Does not matter. Win four times, you will collect a million-dollar check, and you will be crowned the champion this year. That's the PFL. Got it, got it. So you guys launched in 2018, that's correct? Yeah, this will be our fifth season um, on ESPN and our fifth season operating around the globe. So what's it like building an audience in the fighting world? Well, the fighting world is no different from building a sports league anywhere. Hard. (laughs) Um, I think what we've achieved... Um, we have not been able to see any other sports league ever achieve. Um, and, and by that, we're now broadcast and paid media rights in 140 countries around the world. So we have 25 different media partners. So we're super proud to be on primetime Friday with ESPN main channel. But we have 25 media partners around the world. So everybody from Sky Sports to DAZN to DirecTV, depending on your country. We also have athletes from 25 countries. And our roster in 2023 of that fight roster is independently ranked in the top 25 in the world. So call it, this is not a feeder league, or this is not, call it the XFL. This is top, top ranked talent. And number three, audience, when you get to that, last year we were 40% of the viewing audience of UFC on broadcast and streaming. So whether it's distribution, whether it's athlete quality, or whether it's viewership, in five years we've done what no other sports league ever has, And I think that's just a simple testament to two things. MMA has 600 million fans, and UFC only gives them 40 events a year. So MMA is the most underserved, under-monetized audience, number one. And number two, PFL has a very differentiated approach, that sports season format, that the MMA fans love. So they watch UFC, but they also watch PFL. Yeah, the the fighting world is interesting to me in that way because yeah, it is hugely popular. But the yeah, the there are a limited number of events, and there's all this this hype and this excitement around each each one. It's a little bit like the NFL that way, but but even more selective because yeah, it, like I said, it's just a only a handful of events. You could pretty much count all the the major ones in a year. So do you feel like that gives you sort of more? open real estate to work with? Or, or is it you know just as challenging to, to still you know, draw attention to you? Um, look, I, I think your observation is correct, Owen. Um, you know, two simple points. Of the 600 million MMA fans, 40 UFC events. Compare that to the number one sport of soccer in the world, 3,200 soccer matches. The number two sport in the world, 5,000 basketball games. And the number three global sport is MMA, 40. UFC events. So just call it 
more premium product is desired. So you're right, more demand by fans. But the second thing is when you look at the actual fights themselves, younger consumers and 50% of the MMA audience is 18 to 35, they want high action and they want meaning in the fights. What's the number 47 NBA game mean? Nothing. What's the number 85 MLB game mean? Nothing. But what's every fight mean? In 15 minutes of MMA, this person's going to fight once or twice this year. <laughs> In 15 minutes, you're going to have a big, exciting outcome. So to me, almost every fight is a game seven. We all love game seven in sports. Those are our favorite two words if you love sports. So to me, the drama and the excitement of an MMA fight is the approximate of a game seven, whereas too many games right now in broader sports do not matter. Would you say that fighting is getting more mainstream? I was thinking about this because it's, like I said, it's hugely popular. Uh, and as you, you've been saying, there's this huge audience for it. And yet it's always felt like kind of outside the world of, you know, the big four sports in the U.S., soccer, like those are sort of the more like clean cut ones or something, whereas fighting has this this reputation or I don't want to say it's a stigma exactly. I was trying to find the right word for it. Um, like it's it feels outside of the other sports culturally. Uh, would you agree and would you say that's breaking down at all? Yeah, absolutely. Look, there's always a tipping point when something goes from niche to mass. When I went to America Online in 1997, it went from niche to mass. A bunch of engineers had emails. Then all of us had emails. <laughs> Only nerds were online. Then we're all online. So there's always a point in all markets it goes from niche to mass. As it regards to MMA, the Disneyfication <laughs> made it from niche to mass. When Disney and ESPN came on to broadcast UFC first and then PFL, it began the move from niche to mass. And that niche to mass movement has several aspects. I'll just highlight three. One, broader mass. You just get it available to more people. But number two, the professionalization of everything. So what PFL is doing is a season format. That makes it easier for everybody to follow. If you follow basketball or soccer or football or baseball, I know what that is. So I can now start to follow it. And then the third thing is, call it the water is warm. You start to make everything more accessible, less scary, less um, backwoods, you know, less and more mainstream. So it's the water is warm. Come on in if you're a sponsor. Come on in if you're a partner. Come on in, you know, if you're a viewer. So to me, those are the three things that really started to happen in 2019 and have been accelerating every year in terms of MMA. You've got Jake Paul coming in for a couple of pay-per-view fights, I believe. Jake Paul seems like kind of a perfect figure for the fighting world. He's got a huge platform. You know, he's he's much loved by much of the world. There's also a certain segment of the world who wouldn't mind seeing him lose some fights. Well, I, look, the, the Jake Paul deal with PFL and, and him being our partner is fantastic for two reasons. One, as you said, big pay-per-view fights are made because people think one of two things about you. I want you to win or I want you to lose. But they deeply care. <laughs> and... Most people don't deeply care about many fighters because most fighters are not well-known. There's only about 12 fighters in the world that people know their names. There are hundreds of great fighters, but very few name brand fighters. This is true even in the UFC. So Jake is in that handful with Conor McGregor, John Jones, that they know his name. That is an amazing big deal. And he's now on the PFL platform exclusively. The second thing is, Jake might be the most brilliant marketer and promoter we've seen since Muhammad Ali. His ability from scratch three years ago to build 70 million social media followers, which is the same as UFC, the company, <laughs> and to create really a whole new industry of 
non-professional turn professional in combat sports is unparalleled. So his deal, which is really maybe 20% fighting for PFL and 80% marketing and promoting others on the PFL platform, I think will take us to the next level as we launch that pay-per-view super fight division. Just to wrap us up here, what are you excited about for the for 2023? Um, look, I'm excited about two things. One, PFL's gone global. We launched PFL Europe this year, and it will be the first of our regional international leagues. We're building the Champions League of MMA. You will see over time PFL Mideast, PFL India, PFL Africa. It will be the first ever Champions League of MMA where you're going to see a global system, number one. And number two is we are on a way to becoming the co-leader. We were 40% of the audience last year. We had 25% of the roster top ranked. And we were only in year four. We're just getting started. UFC's in, in year 30. So I think if fans haven't seen us, April 1st, live from Vegas, the 2023 season kicks off. Primetime Friday night, ESPN. Check it out. All right. Don Davis, thanks so much for joining us on the podcast. Thanks for having me. That's it for today. Drop us your craziest sports takes and predictions at today at frontofficesports.com. You might just hear your name shouted out on the show. That's today at frontofficesports.com or just hit me up on Twitter at Owen Poindexter and we'll see you tomorrow.